Hi everyone, this is Dave Hughes from the Corporate Marketing Group at Worldwide Technology, welcoming you to the latest episode of WWT's Tech 17 podcast series. Our Tech 17 series, again, brings together subject matter experts from WWT, uh, our partners, and our customers to discuss important topics on today's IT landscape. So today, I just want to introduce our guest today. We're happy to be joined by uh, Rich Harper and James Weiser. Uh, Rich and James are both practice leads in the storage uh, areas here at Worldwide Technology. Uh, James is a practice lead in the software-defined storage practice, and Rich is a practice lead in the object storage staff. So I think we got our practice. So I think we got storage covered pretty well today. So James and Rich, thanks for joining us today. Hey, Dave. Thanks, thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Great, great. So uh, as you could probably guess by the uh, expertise and the subject matters, uh, subject matter expertise that our two guests have, we're going to be talking today about storage. Um, so I thought what we could do first is just have a kind of a little kind of introductory section, uh, James and, and Rich, that you could kind of talk to our listeners about, uh, just kind of an overview of the, the storage space. And I think specifically what we're going to get, going to kind of get into today is software-defined storage. So maybe just give our listeners a little uh, intro to that area. Yeah, great. I, I think that, you know, we, we, I, it was important to kind of mix the two together because there's a, a trend, I think, going on. And James, you know, correct me here. Um, of where our customers are looking to get away from the big iron, from the traditional arrays, and looking to do things, you know, on a more cost-efficient basis. So that's sort of driven the the software-defined space. And as part of the software-defined, and James, I'll let you talk a little bit about what that actually is, because there's a lot of things to a lot of different people. Mm-hmm. But part of that is object storage, and we're going to kind of drill into the object storage a little bit later in this podcast. Yeah, absolutely, Rich. I think, you know, all our customers are kind of looking at this as a new way to, to kind of um, attack their, their IT challenges. Um, and from my perspective, we really see it uh, break down into two sides, really around the performance aspect, um, where they're trying to replace traditional arrays, and then the capacity and the object side that we're going to be focusing on today. But I think all our customers really have, have, have taken this up this challenge and are, are looking at new, new architectures to, to attack this. Yeah, and you know, so with the object space, it's not new. It's, object storage has been around for quite some time, as a matter of fact. Um, but you know, I think it's just now starting to get some wheels based on this whole trend of moving away from the traditional stuff, trying to be more cost effective. I think that's probably the bottom line. You know, customers are wanting to save money. Yeah, absolutely. So looking at different ways to, to kind of attack and, and, and go after this, the, the traditional problem. So from my perspective, um, you know, when customers are looking at this, it's, it's really a way to, to take you know, some type of commodity type hardware um, layer on a type, uh, software layer on top of it to give them some traditional features um, across those platforms. Right, that's where the that's where the money savings comes in. That you're doing away for, with a lot of the um, the point solutions that that the OEMs have have been you know pitching in the big iron products, and you're giving some of that functionality on a more commodity or commercial based um, platform or you know traditional server platform. So um, that's a good that's a great tie-in. So with object storage solutions, most of them are uh, where you can use any server you want to. We call it roll your own. So you can roll your own platform. Uh, it's certainly most of the software supports that. There, there are some reasons why that may be a good idea and why that may not be a good idea. Um, but uh, before we get completely away from the software defined, how would you cl- clarify the other pieces of software defined? What makes up, you know, we talked about object storage, but what are some of the other pieces of the software defined? Yeah, well, that's a great question. I think what we've really seen is, is there's the performance aspect and it's really keeping your traditional access method. So if you take your application that's accessing 
um, a traditional array, um, you don't want to change the application side. So really what you're looking to do is just replace the hardware or the infrastructure on the back end without um, interfering with the application. So that's a, a huge use case. Um, there's a lot around automation as well that, that kind of fits into this. Um, but, but from my perspective, it, it, there's really two sides of the coin. It's the object side, which is usually the capacity play, um, kind, of attack, you know, kind of looking at it that way, and then the, the performance side that's trying to re replace the traditional array. Now, not, now say there's still a good place for the traditional big iron. We still see you know, that, that uh, you know, needing that resiliency and reliability is there. But there's a lot of applications and use cases that can be pulled off those, those traditional arrays and put on an object platform or a software-defined uh, performance platform. Right. So, so big iron's not going away anytime soon. It, you're going to see that for years and years to come. And we're not suggesting that that you know people should move away from that just because. Uh, but I think there's room for both both plays. So you got into a good point around how object is different a little bit from the other software-defined. And let's let's uh, kind of clarify that a little bit because you know you have basically two traditional access methods, if you will. You have file and you have block. Block is where you have LUNs, you provision LUNs. And block is usually used for transaction processing, high performance type types of applications. In file, everybody's kind of used to that. You know, you have NAS mounts, whether they be uh, SMB or whether they be uh, NFS types of mounts. Well, with object, you don't need that, right? You have what's called a RESTful interface. Representative state transfer is what REST stands for in this case. But basically all you need is a browser and then you can point to a target. And then with a key name pair, you can access your content. You can write your content or access your content. So a big difference from the traditional way we access storage. It really is, and, and it you know brings a lot of unique features, um, but there is a lot of um, change that you know customers have to, to really take on from an application perspective. Exactly, and I think that's been the, the big challenge behind adoption of object storage uh, up to this point, yeah. and there really hasn't been any standard. Now, there is a standard. Um, unfortunately, that standard, like a lot of things, hasn't been really widely adopted, um, but the I think the biggest reason why we're seeing a lot of momentum these days is because the S3 interface has become sort of the default facto API interface to access object storage solutions. So while Amazon may not want to be the standard, they become the de facto standard about almost all of the OEMs support the S3 interface in their solutions and now a lot of the applications are starting to write to that S3 interface as well. Yeah, that really has been key because Object has been around a, a long time and, and there's definitely a, uh, has been a place for it, but having that standard that everybody can write to uh, really opens up the playbook for, for different applications to take advantage of that different, different uh, uh, platforms to, to use as well. Yeah, and for you folks at home, the CDMI is what the official standard is, but it's probably one of the least used uh, access methods out there. Um, but just to, to give you that, there is a standard uh, that that is a good standard from what I understand, but it's just not got, just hasn't got the momentum. So, so guys, uh, you know, and, and and that's a great explanation of kind of how we how we got to where we were and talking about object or software defined. I'm curious, and and I think if you could maybe talk to our listeners about. In your experience, when customers come to you and they've got specific issues and problems and you know complications in this area, what are the kind of you know are, are there one or two kind of particular issues that they're usually having to deal with that they're reaching out to you know to you guys and your team to help provide solutions? Yeah, there is. Um, I tell you that predominantly what I see, uh, James, you know, give me your input as well. But what I, predominantly what I see is it's all around costs. It's all around you know, fiscal responsibility. You know, we have this huge explosion of data happening today. Um, it's you know, all the, the majority of the world's data has been created in the last two years, and next year we'll see the same thing. So data is increasing at about a 60% year-over-year type of uh, clip, which is really driving the, uh, the need to store large capacity amounts of data. 
So that's not changing. That's going away. And unfortunately, you know, our customers' budgets are remaining pretty flat when it comes to storage consumption. Yeah, it, it's really interesting. You know, we've done workshops together. Um, it, it, you know, customers are looking at, at their traditional investments, the platforms that they have, the data that they have, and, and trying to find cost-effective ways to, to kind of take that cold data out of that platform was, is, is one kind of use case we've seen when we do these workshops. Um, you know, so they're making uh, better choices with their investment dollars. Yeah, and, and Dave, if I can maybe drill into your to your question a little bit more. So, so as far as the actual problems they're trying to solve besides the cost, um, you know, object storage brings some unique qualities to the storage world uh, because instead of having the traditional protection on storage, it's what we call RAID. I think most people who are listening to this or storage understand what RAID is. I've, I've dealt with it for a, lot, a long period of time. Well, object storage solutions move to what's called erasure coding. And you can think of it like RAID, but it's really done in software. And it's done on a, usually on a distributed level. So that's one of the, the differences between object storage and traditional storage is that you now have a spread, what we call a geo spread, or you can have, you can create a cloud, you can create a storage cloud, in which case this data protection can go across that cloud. So you're no longer bound to having protected in one single array. It can now be spread out across multiple sites. You can lose even up to a site and still be able to access your data from the cloud. So that's a big difference, I think. And customers are looking for that um, resiliency and also durability. Yeah, and I think you know a lot of times when we do these workshops. Um, you know, another big piece of it is around the metadata. You know, really understanding what they have, how long to keep the data. You know, when they step back and look at the traditional model, where you, where you just have a LUN, you give it to a, maybe an Oracle admin. Um, or a, a file share, you really don't know what's active, what's not active, other than timestamps, but is the data really valuable? Um, how long has it been out there? Can we move it? Can it be deleted? Does it really need two copies of it? Do we need to back it up anymore? When you move to an, an object model, really wrapping that metadata around it gives you some really good business intelligence around what that data is. Absolutely, because the way that object story solutions work, they give you the capability of adding additional metadata tag. We're used to metadata being, you know, um, create time, access time, modification time, owner, permissions. That's what your traditional system metadata looks like. Um, with object story solutions, you can add a whole host of other fields, like who, what, when, why, and where. So you can add all this additional content to that to now make your, your, um, your data lake, if you will, more, uh, more pertinent, where you can say, I want all the pictures that have been created by James Weiser. And if you have that metadata filtered up, you can instantly sort through that and pull all that out. Okay. So, uh, you know, again, thinking about kind of what, you know, kind of your interactions and, you know, how, in, and how you talk to your customers. So um, what are the one or two, like, you know, important things or maybe more that you tell customers they should be considering when they're looking at object storage solutions? I, I think that where customers fall down, um, because, you know, there is a lot with any new type of technology or solution, there's that bright, shiny, penny aspect of it where it's like, we've got to have object storage. Well, you know, the reality of it is, is that it's not for everything. Um, when, when I tell customers, when you think about object storage, think human speeds and not machine speeds. And basically what that means is, as a human, you're, uh, you're, you're satisfied with streaming video, right? As long as your video doesn't stutter, you're satisfied with being able to listen to audio and not have it stutter. Uh, when you transfer files, as long as it transfers in a few seconds, you're perfectly content. But for machine speeds, like transaction processing database speeds, it needs to be single milliseconds of, of transaction speed has to occur in order for it to be successful. Um, it's about two orders of magnitude below what we get with object storage. So object storage, the big difference is, is that it uses commodity-based storage. Doesn't have to, but for the most part, when we talk about these, unless we're talking about a different high-performance computing solution, you're talking about uh, commodity storage that's running on 
low end 7.2 K RPM, you know, spinning drives, that kind of thing, where the um, the latency is higher. Latency being the speed that it takes to start to transfer a file. Yeah, and it really is about the parallel access, right? So. You know, Rich, we've done some large um, bake-offs with, with customers that are looking at that and, and really around the performance and really understanding, you know, what they're going to get out of that platform and being able to inject latency and, and, and different things in it to really be able to model um, what their environment's going to look like in the real world is, is kind of key. Absolutely. It? And that's one of the things that we do here at Worldwide is, is that we set up these environments that pretty much closely match the customer's environment. They've got a three-site environment. We can set up a latency between those three sites just like they are. We can put users on the edge just like they would with different latencies yet and kind of fully vet out their, their application or what their application would look like and what that user experience would be. So to kind of run out on that thought, I think where customers really fall down is, is that they don't fully understand what the user experience will be. I mean, their eyes kind of get glossed over with the money savings, and they don't, but they don't fully think out what is this going to do to our user community? How happy are they going to be with this solution? So it's important to understand that human speeds and that the user's uh, community, based on what their use cases are, are going to be satisfied. And testing is really important in that, and that's something we do in our labs. Yep, absolutely. Okay, great. Um, well, guys, kind of, kind of uh, one last question to kind of um, uh, wrap up our episode today, and we kind of asked this of a, of a lot of our guests. Not the easiest question to answer. But it just kind of looking forward, we've you know you've talked about a lot of the different challenges that have been addressed, you know, in object storage, partially through software-defined storage solutions. But obviously, like every other technology practice, this is just ever changing, and it's changing faster and faster and faster. So, what are kind of the couple of main things that you guys are thinking about moving forward as challenges, and by extension, what should customers be thinking about moving forward as well? Well, I think when it comes specifically to object storage, I think you know the the landscape is is changing as you as you said, and it's constantly changing. Um, and as far as the uh, you know making sure that you're matching the use case is important, but the future use cases that I see that are coming up are around analytics. And so being able to uh, according to what your use case is, to make sure you're buying a platform that's going to grow with you and going to change with you in the direction that you're wanting it to. So. Um, are you going to want to someday, or maybe even today, be able to run analytics? Uh, so I think that those are the kind of challenges, the speeds, the feeds. You're going to eventually see object-based solutions with, uh, with Flash. It's going to be ubiquitous. Right. It's going to happen. I mean, it's just it's not going to happen today, but given a couple of years, I think you'll see that. James, what do you think? Yeah, I completely agree. And I think, you know, on top of that is, is the stacking of these different use cases. So once these object platforms are, are kind of built out as a, as a starting, it's, you know, then you stack on backup on top of it and, mm -hmm. and file sync and share and then do an analytics. So being able to take this data that, that in most instances is stale or stagnant, um, and then be able to actually get business value out. It's, it's going to be key. It's going to be key for, for a lot of our customers. Once you wrap that around with the metadata to really understand who, what, uh, who, what, and why, um, you can get a lot of lot of intelligence out of that. Absolutely, uh, and I think that that's you know that's that's great that you know there's those use cases in a second. That's where you get your real value proposition from, right? So active archive, you know, like you said, file sync and share. Um, you know all those uh, just a tier four storage platform. Um, tape backup is a big one that we're seeing right now to replace uh, tape 
and do uh, tapeless backup is a huge one where they're just pointing their, their media servers directly to an object storage solution. Yeah, and I think, you know, to that point, this is one of the, the unique architectures that the value prop gets better the bigger it gets. And, and that's really the, the use cases that, that you know, we, we help our customers understand is as these platforms get bigger, um, the complexity usually doesn't get much more complex, but the value uh, that you get out of it increases, um, you know, kind of goes off the chart. Absolutely. Much easier to manage on a petabyte scale than what's the traditional. I mean, you can manage these by a part-time person, basically, yeah. uh, from your storage team. Whereas before, you know, you needed a storage manager for every 100 terabytes or so. This is going to be done on an exabyte scale with just a, a, a small amount of the resource that you typically would use. Yeah, and I mean, just the, from my perspective, you know, we're always seeing new vendors come out there. Since it's a, a software-only strategy on commodity hardware, it allows them to innovate a little bit faster than what, what we've seen in the past. Um, so, you know, from our perspective, you know, really understanding what's out there, what's coming next from the next platform, um, is gonna, it's how we're going to be able to help our customers. And that's what makes our job exciting. Well, it's always good to have exciting jobs. So <laughs> that's great. So, uh, guys, that's a, you know, it was a great uh, conversation. I think we, we got a lot of information in a, in a, a short episode here. So, again, I want to thank uh, uh, Rich and James for joining us today on our Tech 17 podcast. Thanks, Thanks, guys, for Thanks your for you. hopefully your initial entry into the podcast was a good one. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, you guys did great. So again, thanks again for providing your insight into this uh, you know very important topic. Uh, so a few notes for our listeners: um, in case you were wondering where your July third podcast was, uh, you didn't miss it. Don't worry. Uh, we were observing the holiday, uh, the uh, July fourth holiday. So there was no podcast drop on July third. We were recording this. Uh, the week of July 10th. So this podcast will drop on July 17th and then we'll be back in August in our regular schedule of uh, new new podcast episodes in the first and third Monday of each month. So again, uh, please listen to our Tech 17 uh, channel. Again, it is a free uh, subscription podcast series. It's available on iTunes and every uh, podcast platform. And again, check out uh, our Tech 37 podcast channel as well. We just had our first new one in a few months on Windows 10 migration, which uh, we dropped last week. So there's a new episode on the Tech 37 channel as well. So thanks for joining us today, and we will see you next time.